Hola, and welcome back to a new year of Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 66, I will give you a brief update about the Women in Language conference that happened this past weekend, some news about the resource library, and then, of course, we will start our episode on Eastern European countries and key world organizations. So let's get started. So let's start with our updates. First off, thank you so much for tuning back in. Or if you're new, welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited to start another year of Spanish Answers, and I hope you all are too. And yes, I still plan to upload an episode every other Monday, but this one is going up on Tuesday because something, I don't know, I'm assuming it was a storm, knocked out my area's internet for most of the day yesterday. So it was unfortunate, but what can you do? Now, this past weekend was the fifth annual Women in Language Conference, and it was full of thought-provoking, energetic talks and conversations all related to language. And I was honored and so grateful to be able to present my own talk, You, Yes, You, Can Teach Your Baby Sign Language. It was a lot of fun, and I already can't wait until next year's Women in Language Conference. If you have any questions about what the conference is all about, and yes, anyone, male or female, can attend, or if you're curious about my talk, please send me an email. I would love to share more with you. Another surprise is that I have completely revamped my resource library, and it is now open to the public. I currently have the Spanish, English, American Sign Language, French, and Ukrainian libraries completed. I mean, for now. I plan to keep adding things to them as I grow in my own language studies and as I find new and interesting and useful resources for you guys. Now, in these libraries, I've included my recommendations for podcasts, YouTube channels, books, children's books, online dictionaries, music, and so much more. So please check it out. These are meant to be a free resource for you to find more resources in your language journeys, and obviously not just for Spanish. All right, now, and so we come to the crux of our episode, current events vocabulary. With all of the shocking and absolutely horrible things going on in Ukraine right now, I thought I'd focus today on something relevant to our current events, but also distant enough that you don't have to stress while listening. I'm sure you already hear a lot of news from other sources, and the last thing you want is to hear it again here. So don't worry, we are only focusing on vocabulary. And more specifically, we're going to learn the Spanish names for various Eastern European countries and a few world organizations. Every language has its own way of pronouncing different city, country, and organization names, and Spanish is no different. So for this section, I'll give you the names in Spanish first, and then we are doing something new. I'll follow up each vocabulary list with a short story that incorporates all of the vocab for that section, but it'll be completely in Spanish. So see if you can catch the Spanish names. Then afterwards, I'll include the translation of some key vocabulary in English, and then I'll repeat the story in Spanish one more time. And this hopefully gives you a chance to try to catch even more of the story. So let's see how this goes. For our first list, we are going to talk about the Eastern European countries. Europe, very important, la Europa. European, europeo, 
or Europea, Eastern Europe, La Europa del Este, Ukraine, La Ucrania, La Ucrania, Russia, La Rusia, La Rusia, Belarus, La Belarus, La Belarus, Bulgaria, La Bulgaria, La Bulgaria, Czech Republic, La República Checa, La República Checa, or you can use its abbreviated name, Czechia, La Czechia, La Czechia, Hungary, El Hungría, El Hungría, Moldova, El Moldavia, El Moldavia, and this is not to be confused with Moldavia or La Moldavia. Notice the only difference between Moldova and Moldavia in Spanish is El versus La. El Moldavia is Moldova and La Moldavia is Moldavia. A little tricky there. Poland, La Polonia, La Polonia, Romania, La Romania, La Romania, or if you're looking to the Latin American way, it's Romania. So no accent mark on that I. Romania, La Romania, Slovakia, La Slovakia, La Slovakia. And now for our short story. Ser europeo significa vivir en una parte del mundo que tiene una cultura e historia antiguas. Europa está dividida en secciones diferentes y los países que componen Europa del Este van desde muy pequeños, como Moldavia, hasta muy grandes, como Rusia. La República Checa o Chequia, solía ser un país con Eslovaquia, pero los dos se separaron sin violencia en 1993. La Belarus formaba parte de la URSS y actualmente mantiene una relación estrecha con Rusia. Ucrania también formó parte de la URSS, pero hoy lucha heroicamente para mantener su independencia. En varios puntos, tanto Bulgaria como Rumania formaron parte del Imperio Otomano, mientras que Hungría formaba parte del Imperio Austrohúngaro. Polonia tiene una historia sorprendente, ya que desapareció por completo como un estado independiente al ser absorbido por tres países diferentes. Afortunadamente, recuperó su independencia en 1918. All right, so let's look at some key words here. History is la historia, la historia. To make or form is formar, formar. To fight is luchar, luchar. Close, like a close relationship, is estrecho or estrecha, estrecho or estrecha. Independence is la independencia, la independencia. The USSR is la URSS, la URSS. So in Spanish, it's U-R-S-S, -S, which 
stands for La Unión de Repúblicas Socialistas Soviéticas. Now, in the different videos I've seen, it seems like you can say URSS, but it seems that people lean towards saying La Unión Soviética. Ottoman Empire is El Imperio Otomano, El Imperio Otomano, and the Austro-Hungarian Empire is El Imperio Austro-Húngaro, El Imperio Austro-Húngaro. Okay, so let's try reading the story again. Ser europeo significa vivir en una parte del mundo que tiene una cultura e historia antiguas. Europa está dividida en secciones diferentes, y los países que componen Europa del Este van desde muy pequeños, como Moldavia, hasta muy grandes, como Rusia. La República Checa, o Chequia, solía ser un país con Eslovaquia, pero los dos se separaron sin violencia en un 1993. La Belarus formaba parte de la U.S. y actualmente mantiene una relación estrecha con Rusia. Ucrania también formó parte de la U.S., pero hoy lucha heroicamente para mantener su independencia. En varios puntos, tanto Bulgaria como Rumania formaron parte del Imperio Otomano, mientras que Hungría formaba parte del Imperio Austrohúngaro. Polonia tiene una historia sorprendente, ya que desapareció por completo como un estado independiente al ser absorbida por tres países diferentes. Afortunadamente, recuperó su independencia en un 1918. All right, our next section is Key Vocabulary for Important World Organizations. And for today's episode, we're only going to cover three. The European Union, or the EU. So in Spanish, that would be La Unión Europea, or UE. Then there's the United Nations, or the UN. And in Spanish, that is La Organización de las Naciones Unidas, La ONU, O-N-U. Finally, there's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, more commonly called NATO. And in Spanish, it's La Organización del Tratado del Atlántico Norte, or OTAN, O-T-A-N. So here's a very brief story to practice this. La Unión Europea está compuesta por 27 países, incluidos los países de Europa del Este mencionados anteriormente, de Bulgaria, la República Checa, Hungría, Polonia, Rumania y Eslovaquia. Todos son estados miembros de las Naciones Unidas, pero solo Hungría, Polonia, Rumania, Eslovaquia, Bulgaria y la República Checa son miembros de la OTAN. A few translations here. Country is el país. El país. And previously mentioned is mencionado anteriormente. Mencionado anteriormente. So let's read that one more time. La Unión Europea está compuesta por 27 países, incluidos los países de Europa del Este mencionados anteriormente de Bulgaria, la República Checa, Hungría, Polonia, Rumania y Eslovaquia. 
Todos son estados miembros de las Naciones Unidas, pero solo Hungría, Polonia, Rumania, Eslovaquia, Bulgaria y la República Checa son miembros de la OTAN. So let's talk about our first cultural tip of the year, Chile. And today's the first episode on Chile, so we'll discuss all the different country facts. For starters, the official name is the Republic of Chile, or La República de Chile. When it comes to size, Chile is a really interesting shape for a country. While in size it's about twice that of Montana, the country is extremely stretched out. If you were to put it over a map of the U.S., its top would reach from about the middle of Canada, go through the U.S., and continue on down through most of Mexico. So that's, that's a long way. Now, it is located in South America, reaching from the southern tip to more than halfway up the continent. It is south of Peru, southwest of Bolivia, and west and south of Argentina. When it comes to its government, it is a presidential republic. This means they have a president, obviously, President Sebastián Pinera Echenique, who is the head of the executive branch and the chief of state. The legislative power rests with the Congreso Nacional, or the Bicameral National Congress. Its Senado, or Senate, has 50 seats directly elected for eight-year terms, whereas the Cámara de Diputados, or Chamber of Deputies, has 155 seats for four-year terms. Now, this is what the CIA World Factbook says for each one. They are, I quote, directly elected in multi-seat constituencies by open party-list proportional representation vote, unquote. So figure that one out if you can. I have very little idea of what they're trying to tell me. Anyways, the judicial power rests with the Corte Suprema, or the Supreme Court, which is made up of 120 ministros and one court president. They are appointed for life by the country's president, although they may be ratified by the Senate and selected by a list the court provides. And... They must retire at 70. There is also a constitutional court made up of 10 people. Three of these members are appointed by the Supreme Court, three by the President, two by the Senate, and two by the Chamber of Deputies. Each one serves nine-year terms. Then there is also the elections qualifying court made up of five people appointed by lottery. So one by the former President or Vice President of the Chamber of Deputies, and the same for the Senate, and then two by the Supreme Court and one by the Appellate Court of Valparaíso for four-year terms. Very different. Now, the capital city is Santiago, and as of 2012, about 67% of Chileans are Roman Catholic and 16% are Protestant or Evangelical. The official language, which is spoken by almost 100% of the country as of 2012, is Spanish. And of course, the currency is the Chilean pesos or CLP. Now, let's talk briefly about their history. So, pre-Spanish, Chile was ruled by two main indigenous groups, the Inca in the north and the Mapuche in the rest of the country. This all changed when the Spanish came in the 16th century, who established the Captaincy General of Chile in 1541. The Spanish ruled until Chile declared its independence in 1810, now, we've talked about the large push for independence across Latin America in other episodes, such as the history of Chile's fiestas patrias in episode 58, and the cultural tips on Argentinian holidays in episodes 56 and 55, and on Peru in episodes 59 and 60. 
But essentially, Chile did not achieve this independence until 1818. Now, Chile gained its northernmost areas by defeating Peru and Bolivia in the War of the Pacific from 1879 to 1883. Then in 1970, Salvador Allende instituted a Marxist government that was overthrown by General Augusto Pinochet in a military coup of 1973. He ruled until Chile elected a new president in 1990, and since then, Chile has been pretty stable and has been increasing its role on the world stage. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. And if you did hear any background noise, I apologize. We have just moved in the past couple of months, and I'm still working on figuring out that perfect office setup. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog, and I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode, or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com. That's contact at languageanswers.com. Or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave me a positive review. Or if you have questions or things that you think could be done better, please send me your feedback. I would love to hear from you. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. Aprovechalo, disfrútalo y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego. Bye.